Uh, anonymous text here says, uh, I find it difficult to see value uh, from women in relationships after dating uh, a few over seven years. How can I overcome this? No value in women. Well, you need to start valuing women to see the value in women instead of putting them to the challenge of being what you would want them to be and expecting things that are unexpectable. Mm. You need to investigate your own psychological understanding of women and you need to understand how you've been conditioned by your own family of origin, your mother, your sisters, aunts and uncles, and why you have these kind of expectations. And putting women to the challenge, putting girls to the challenge to prove that they're worthy of your expectations, pretty arrogant. Mm-hmm. So you need to look at relationships by first understanding yourself to appreciate that people are different and people have different definitions of what you might call values. And can you live with that? I mean, my, my first thought on reading this text is, okay, so there's, a, there's the separate issue of, of this person cannot see value in women. But related, relating it back to the topic which we're talking about, which is marriage, if you're dating women and you can't see any value in women don't marry any of them you know you don't don't marry you can't you shouldn't marry somebody that you don't value that you're not in love with don't make it a problem that that you then have to deal with yeah, exactly later. and that's that's the the concern of this kind of a, a comment and i really uh thank this person for having guts enough to share this mm. kind of thought it takes a lot of a lot of psychological energy to even share this kind of very intimate personal uh, way of thinking. Mm. But what I would say to this person is do self-investigation. Rather than blaming women for not being what you expect from them, investigate your own psychological understanding of what you expect from not only them, but from yourself as well. Mm. And are you looking for the perfect person who's not going to cheat on you? Are you looking for the perfect person who's going to make your life easy? Well, what are you going to do to make sure you don't cheat on the other person? And how are you going to make their life easy, too? Kachalia text in says, I'm thinking about getting married. How can I know the true nature of my future wife as women can be good at hiding things? Well, I'm not sure that it's women that can be good at hiding things any more than men can hide things. Mm. But there are certain functions that we have in our mental processing. Some people might be more on the introvert side where they don't share everything that they're thinking and feeling until they feel confident that they can. Other people tend to be very uh, transparent and they will will express themselves about things that are not even significant just because they want to hear themselves talk. Mm. Now, that's not a criticism. That's just a different style than communicating. Well, many times this can get misinterpreted. And it's not women who are always just holding on to information or men who are always just catharting it all out. It can be a personality for both genders. So the point that, that needs to be understood here is getting to know each other in the right way. Unfortunately, today we see too many people who are just after the physical aspects of a relationship, not the psychosocial aspects. They're too involved in what can I get out of this relationship rather than what can I learn in this relationship. Mm. The interaction that you have with a person who you're just wanting to get to know or a prospective partner should be defined by what is it that our Uh, expected in life? What are the things that you like to read? What was it growing up in your family, in the community that you you grew up in? What was your most influential factors in your life? How is your spiritual understanding of life? You know, what type of of, uh, spiritual acts did you do? Were you organized? Were you non-organized? Were you ritual? 
or were you not? Looking at how do you define love of God, of your fellow human beings, of friends, as well as romance and family? Mm. You know, what are your recreational interests? Now, these all are the things that people need to understand about their partner to know if it matches them, not just are we physically compatible. Those things don't matter as much as what about the psychosocial aspects? What about your emotional energy? That's a real match. It's not physical. It is emotional. It is psychological. It's the way that we think and feel about situations that are much, much more important. And that's where you get to know the person's values. Doc, you know when you take your car for a, a, a service or an MOT and it has like a checklist... The, mm-hmm. the, you know, they, they advertise it, don't they? You hear them on, on the TV and the radio. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's a 120-point checklist. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds to me like there's almost that many factors that you need to consider or, you're, or you'd be wise to investigate with a prospective partner before you make that commitment. And it's a very good idea to do premarital coaching mm. because you get that kind of information in a scientifically-based fashion. Now, you can get it on your own. But what happens when it's scientifically based, which is what psychologists do, you don't miss anything or there's less chance of missing things. Like mm-hmm. you have a, rather than just having a, a 50% or 75% chance of understanding, you actually can raise the marker to around 95 to 100%. Not mm-hmm. that in psychology we believe in 100%, but it's 95% or more, you'll get to know your partner better. Because the key is not changing personality. That's not the correct notion to take. The key is understanding yourself to be accepting of others. In my experiences, I found that there's no such thing as a relationship that doesn't work when both people want to define the relationship, define that cooperation and harmony. And it doesn't mean that cooperation and harmony is no problem relationship. There are going to be problems, Mm. but how do you resolve the problem? How do you resolve the conflicts? Those are going to be the key things. When you look at how much time you want to spend together, how are you going to deal with finances? How are you going to raise children? How do you deal with the in-laws? How do you deal with all kinds of things that are going to be coming up in the relationship? And it's not an unpleasant experience. It's actually a fun experience to go through the premarital coaching. And it gives you a chance to understand yourself understand your partner, and understand how your partner sees you. Mm. It's a growing experience. Well, this uh, texter has texted in, uh, could perhaps have done with a bit of premarital coaching. After marriage, my wife doesn't respect me because I'm not rich as her father is, uh, because she's uh, demanding things which are not within my financial reach. Before marriage, she was not interested in money. There's no one that has ever been on their deathbed and said, I wish I would have been richer to make my partner happy. Mm. It's always, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have been more devoted as a parent uh, to my children and then to my grandchildren. The materialistic aspect of relationships is very much in itself a demise of the relationship because money comes and goes. If you're in a situation where money is the most important, what are you going to do when there's an economic crash? Mm. Jump out the window? Well, hopefully it's something more than a story high because mm. you're not going to do anything but just damage your legs by doing that. And if you want to die over money, then you've got to ask yourself, what is it worth living for anyway? Mm. That is not the purpose of life. Money is nice to have, but it's secondary gain. It only gives you an opportunity to have comfort, but then 
Are you really happy with all that comfort? Who are some of the happiest people in the world? They're actually people that have no materialistic aspects in their community. Mm. And they actually have each other. They support each other. They help each other. It's a home of cooperation. It's actually a community of cooperation. If you want to read about this on the research that's been done by happiness on happiness, it's a comparison between those who were in the Amish community mm-hmm. and those who were the New York lottery um, winners of the big bucks. Both were happy because one had just won a lot of money. One had lived in a community that had very little materialistic values. One year later, the longitudinal study came back showing that the Amish were still happy. Those who won big bucks weren't happy anymore, even though they still had their money. When this was dissected, it was realized that cooperation in the community was the most important thing. And by definition, happiness is mutual cooperation. Mm. And today, the, the added dimension to that is showing gratitude to your partner and people in your community. Well, I'm willing to cooperate with any millionaires listening if it will make them feel happier. Taru has texted in, uh, my hubby brought home four bikes early in our married years, uh, which I felt uh, was going to affect our marriage. I'm guessing these are motorbikes, uh, Taru, but you can tell me otherwise. Uh, until I realized his passion for bikes and learned to let him be. Uh, we both seem at peace with this now after eight years. So there's a wife there who has learned to embrace her husband's passion for bikes. Exactly. And you can do the same thing with sports. When women complain about their husbands always on the TV set on the day that all the sports are being shown on television, the big games and things like that, Mm. rather than criticizing it and making life difficult and miserable with your body language, your facial expressions, why don't you actually watch one of the games with your partner and see what the game is about? Share that. And you might find it to be quite interesting. Mm. Unfortunately, what may happen is you become the one who's more interested than your husband. And the thing switches around. Now I can get my wife away from the television. Not only that, she wants to go to the actual arena and watch the game play. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it, can go, it can go in the opposite direction. But the whole point being, share in the ideas that, that are enjoyed by your partner, as he should also do the same thing for you. Uh, Marianne says, uh, thanks for the amazing subject. I was discussing the same topic uh, with my uh, living boyfriend last week who believes marriage will ruin respect, beauty, and even attraction of the partners. He believes marriage is just a certificate and partnership works better uh, in this day and age. What are your thoughts, Doc? It's up to the individual and the couple. Mm. When we look at how to define what is a good marriage, we're looking at millions of different ways. It depends on the couple. And this is the success of the marriage. When both people agree on defining the relationship in the different aspects. Mm. Like, for instance, I mentioned earlier, time together, how do you deal with finances, how do you express emotions to each other, how do you deal with the in-laws, or do you make them the outlaws? If you're going to have children, how are you going to raise them? You know, there's a lot of different dimensions that we examine in marriage satisfaction. And when we do this, we find that people define the marriage differently. Like, given the time together... Some people say in a marriage, I want to spend 20% of my time with my partner. Another person says, I want to spend 50% of my time with my partner. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of right or wrong or good or bad. It's a matter of preference. Now, if that 20% person marries the 50% person, the 20% person is going to feel suffocated because their partner needs more time with them. Mm -hmm. The 50% person is going to feel rejected because their partner is not wanting to spend as much time with them. And it gets misunderstood as wanting to rather than needing to. Mm. Both people need to come to a definition 
of what is time together that is livable for both of them. Again, it's never a matter of right and wrong or good or bad. It's a matter of what your preference is. And this is part of the value system Mm. that we've talked about earlier. It's part of your uniqueness. What do you want in a relationship? There's nothing wrong if partners want to live apart because they're teaching at two different universities in two different locations, Mm. and they only get together once every six weeks. That's their prerogative, and it's okay, and it's workable when they both define that. But another couple might say, I want to spend 16 hours a day with my partner. The only time I want to be away from them is when I have to be at work and away from them. Mm. Well, that's a beautiful thing as well, as long as both people agree to that. So the relationship and its definition is not just what you want. It's also what you and your partner can agree on. Anita's text in. She says, uh, I'm a working woman. Um, What about husbands who grew up without sisters uh, and don't know uh, household work? Um, The difference between me and my husband is that when uh, he's back from work, he sits in front of the TV, but I'm in the kitchen. On top of that, my daughter wants me to play with her uh, and my husband uh, doesn't want to know, doesn't want to engage with her and gets annoyed when she insists. Uh, He asks if I need his help, but I don't want to make him stand up every time I want him to come and do something i want him to do it himself she wants him to take control of of uh, an ownership well, dream of on alice wonderland's right around the corner well it's stressing her out she says <laughs> she's getting stressed no. no let me tell you in all seriousness i'm a little bit concerned about this mm-hmm. i'm not giving the husband by any means any excuse let me give you an explanation mm-hmm. yes there may be a lot of stress at work but is that person also experiencing what's called mask depression Mm. where the mass depression means that you don't see the depression. They go to work, they do their job like everybody else, everything is fine until they have nothing scheduled. When they don't have anything scheduled, they don't have the psychological energy or the physical energy to do anything. Mm. So they sit on the couch watching television. Usually they come home, take off their work clothes, put on their pajamas, and that's where they stay until another appointment is scheduled. Whether it's on Saturday evening or Sunday morning, from Thursday night until then, they'll actually do nothing but sit on the couch. This is a pretty good indication of masked depression. Mm. The other thing that could be going on, he could be an arrogant beep, 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 beep. And what you want to do <laughs> is find out, are you there as his object? And nobody needs to be a trophy mm. on somebody's wall. And some people come from a, from a background, maybe it was learned from their parents most likely, that this is my domain, it is my castle, you should appreciate what I do to bring the money home, and therefore you need to treat me like I'm the king, but nobody wants to be the slave. Mm. I thought it was interesting that you know she's saying her husband will uh, do that thing, that I, and I think a lot of men might admit that they're guilty of this. You know, you know, uh, honey, do you need any help? And you know, she, she says You're no. Being nice by saying honey. I don't think that's going to come out <laughs> in reality. So he's offering to help, which which is ticking the box of being able to say, well, I offered to help, but she wants him to say, no, no, you sit down, I'll do this, or I'll come and I'll chop the carrots and you do that we'll, we'll do it together it's a partnership that will happen once the person realizes that this can be a very pleasant experience and that kind of sharing but what i'm suggesting are there other things that are going on the two things that i suggested could there be mass depression mm. or could there just be plain arrogance where the person wants to be treated like a king and this can be very very destructive to a relationship and here again it's not just women who have been accused of behaving one way before marriage here's a situation where a man behaves 
in a way that shows, I love you, I care for you, the flowers, more flowers, and, and endearment, and I'll give you the moon, and all that other stuff. And then once the marriage is in place, okay, girl, now here you are, you're going to do for me what my grandmother did for my grandfather, and what my mother did for my father. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily work in that relationship. And it might be too late, so to speak, when it is discovered. Mm. What is the motivation? What is the objection here? And the objection is not to be treated like a slave or a trophy. And it's not only men who treat women that way. Sometimes it's women who treat men that way as well. Okay, Adam texts in. He says, uh, the, uh, his advice, the key is listening and talking. I miss my wife so much. I wish I was a better husband when I had the chance. Uh, so I'm guessing that's a relationship that didn't end too well for Adam there. Let me tell you to tell you that to your wife, whether she's your ex-wife or not. Mm. You need to say that to her. And you need to apologetically say that, not because you want to put the marriage together necessarily, but just let her know that you appreciated what she went through. Even though she probably had faults as well, because the problem marriage is two people, it's not just one, you're taking responsibility for the role that you played. By doing that act, not only does it help her to move forward in her own relationship without the guilt that she's probably suffering as well, it also helps you resolve some of the conflicts knowing that you're a better person. That you can take into your next relationship. Mm. 4001 is the number to send your text to 04423-1010. If you get involved in today's show, it enters you automatically into the draw for our iftar at the Intercontinental Dubai Marina. Uh, They've got a restaurant down there called Accents. They're holding a a gorgeous iftar every single evening, and uh, you could win an iftar worth 500 dirhams. That's enough for uh, you and two other people to go and uh, enjoy down there. Just uh, get involved in today's program. Put your name at the end of your text and the word IFTAR and you'll be automatically entered into the draw. Uh, Texter here says uh, I agree, it's a partnership the most important thing is to talk to each other. Also, people change over time, uh, we should expect that, that's something to consider We, it needs to be um, well, Doc, uh, Doc, you were saying that pre-marriage uh, counselling is, uh, is something that's important or something that can be useful for a lot of a lot of couples as part of that counseling will one of the things be hey guys by the way you do know you're both going to change quite a lot well it's not the personality that changes it is changes of characteristics and traits Mm. with experiences Mm. and when people are actually alert to that and there are exercises that we have people do on a regular basis so just coming in for premarital coaching Mm. doesn't mean you just do this for a few days now while you're here and then you go off and go back to your old way it's actually what you can learn to do for the rest of your marriage life Mm. and these are the exercises that help you stay in contact and it doesn't mean that you have to use a lot of energy to do it. It's actually pleasurable time to do it. So out of 168 hours during the week, we'll actually teach you what to do for less than 20 of those hours to be able to Mm. keep the marriage together for the right reason. And in this situation, we learn about ourselves. We learn about our partners. We learn how we prefer to think, feel, and behave. We learn what the balances are. Yes, people do change with experiences, and there's nothing wrong with change. Actually, that's a desirable additive to the marriage that makes it interesting as you grow together. And that's the key is growing together. When people, for instance, seek marriage counseling on their own, that's already doomed for divorce because you're going to be growing. 
You're going to mm-hmm. be expanding your way of thinking, feeling, but your partner will get left behind. And this is where many times marriage therapy gets accused of causing a divorce. The only time that really happens is when only one partner is seeking a change for the better and the other isn't. Do people do that? They seek marriage counseling on their own. We don't do that. No. We've only had two occasions in our history where that actually was helpful, and that's because the one person insisted, and we were willing to help them with the acknowledgement of the partner, whether they attended or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually what we do is we see people together. We don't want to see them individually unless there are individual concerns that need to be addressed individually, but not to come individually to talk about the marriage. Mm. The marriage deal is you come in, to work together to move in the same direction towards each other. Zed says, my wife fumes when I send money to my family back home. Uh, We don't have a financial constraint over that, um, but um, I can't understand uh, or find out why it makes her unhappy. I keep on sending money to my mum without letting her know, uh, but I start feeling guilty that I'm doing something behind her back. Uh, when money's not a problem, um, what makes one unhappy to help your family? Um, I don't understand it at all. It's what it represents, and this might be your own wife's insecurities. Again, I don't know what's going on it, between you and your wife. There might be things that are happening that you're not telling us, or there might be things that you're not even aware of. Mm-hmm that your wife has perceived during your relationship, but it's not the money, it's what the money represents. And it may represent power, it might be divided attention, mm-hmm. and it might be some jealousy that maybe you're showing too much time for your family of origin rather than she. I don't know what her interpretations are. However, you need to continue with what you believe to be your responsibilities. And whether your wife is happy with it or not, and you don't want to lie, then don't lie. Just say, I'm sending money. Now, her mm. reaction is her business. That is her dealings with it. And I'm not trying to say be mean and belligerent about it and say, well, go off. You're going to continue sharing with your wife because she's your partner. Mm. Whether she likes it or not, you need to continue doing what is best for you. You need to be guilt-free. And guilt-free means you share with your wife regardless of her reaction. And then you'll start to learn more what her reaction really is about. You need to get the truth out about what's happening. Maybe there's a misperception of what's going on, things that you don't even know about, mm. things that you're not aware about, maybe things that she didn't even think that she should tell you but assumed you should know. I mean, I'm just wondering if it could come down to something as simple as, for whatever reason, and it might have been a bad reason or a good reason, whatever the reason behind it is, his wife said, I don't want you sending money to your Which mother. Which would be a very unfair thing to say. It may, may, yes, maybe, but but she, for whatever reason, she it, it's been said. But he's chosen his mother over her. In is could that be the perception of this situation? It could be the perception. It might even be reality. Mm. I don't know. But but from what I'm hearing, I don't see that this gentleman who's being responsible for his family of origin as well as his own is going to be helping one at the expense of the other. Mm. So there may be some other issues that are not understood or discussed or haven't been revealed and this is an opportunity be true to yourself continue with your personal obligations and responsibilities to both when you're able to do that of course Mm. but don't lie or hide at your own expense be open because then openness because see what will happen is if he continues lying about this there's no such thing as the truth will never be revealed. Mm. The truth will always come out at some time, accidentally or, or openly. And when that happens, there's going to be now bigger problems with trust 
and respect issues. So whatever the problem is now will get amplified into a big mountain of problems later on and for the wrong reason. Mm. Be true to yourself. Tell your wife what you're doing. And whether she accepts it or not, you got to do what you want to do. But that will hopefully open up the door to understand why she doesn't accept it. Not to be belligerent or contradictory or oppositional to her, but to be open with her, to give her an opportunity to understand what's going on with her. I'm guessing your wife, Zed, as well, if you're, if you're sending the money secretly, I'm guessing she probably knows that you're doing that one way or another. She, 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 know, she may know. well have worked it out. But if she does, then there's, like you say, there's those two factors. The first thing, you're sending the money she doesn't like. Second thing, you're lying to her. So, it's, it's worth, yeah, be honest. And it could be that she's just a jealous person who doesn't want to share her husband. Now, that may be a form of immaturity that needs to also be dealt with. Or maybe he's not realizing that he's doing something that the wife is perceiving mm. that he's not aware of the conflict and perception. Mm. So this is the point that I'm getting back to. What is really being perceived here? And it's usually a misperception. Hatem's text in, uh, sticking with the, the family theme here. Uh, Hi, I'm the only son and my mother lives with me. Uh, a lot of the time there's friction between my mum and my wife, which ultimately brings up a fight between me and my wife. How can I handle this? Well, one thing, you've already handled it, but you've handled it by taking sides. And this is not a good thing for the marriage, nor would it be a good thing if you were taking up for your wife and your mom. Think of this as a triangle. There's you and your relationship with your wife, you and your relationship with your mom. You should never be in the middle. So it's not a continuum here where you're in the middle. Make it a triangle. Where they need to have a relationship, whether it's good or bad or ugly, they have a relationship. You should not interfere with that. You may intervene and try to get them both to have a better understanding with each other, mm. but don't interfere because that is taking sides, and it can really create a lot more problems later. As a matter of fact, you may be siding with your mom that looks against your wife. Your mom's not going to respect you for it. Believe it or not, she might be happy to say, oh, my boy is protecting me. But frankly, she's not going to respect you for it mm -hmm. unconsciously. She's going to think, uh-oh, my son's not man enough to take care of this situation. If you sided with your wife against uh, your mother, then the same thing on the wife's side. He's not man enough to control his mom. You know, so a lot of things can actually happen for the wrong reason. By making it a triangle, don't get inter involved with their conflicts. Let them have to work it out. You maintain a good relationship with your wife, and you maintain a good relationship with your mom. Mm. Don't get caught in the middle. Uh, Ishmael says marriage uh, brings two souls together. Assam text in saying, uh, is there a way to reset a relationship? Kind of like a, a refresh. I try to send my wife for a month to her mother's each year. That sounds like a good idea to me. It could very well be. Uh, and, and that might work in that relationship and others that could also be a problem. But in this relationship, that actually may work. Mm. Resetting the, the marriage is also a good thing to do. And sometimes people need to come in for a marriage checkup. But it's also what that means is you're coming in for your own psychological checkup. What changes have you made in the way you think, feel, and behave? And is that going to also lead to some problems or will it need to lead to some better things in the relationship? Mm. So resetting the marriage means that you're willing to both look at how you've changed, how to redefine the relationship. Redefining the relationship doesn't necessarily mean there was something wrong in the relationship. It means that you've now had experiences that may have changed your attitude. Mm. 
Maybe you've had value changes. Maybe you're rethinking situations. Maybe it's because of the world political situation that you're rethinking where you want to go in life. Where do you want to retire? It could be your religious affiliation. It could be your financial situation. A lot of things can cause you to want to rethink who you are. But with the family, it's now rethinking who we are. What about that element as well? You know, there'll be a lot of expats listening to, to the show today. You know, th- th- there is a lot of stress when you, you've got a family unit, you've got um, relationship, obviously, and then you move that to another country. And that, that can put a lot of stress on things as well. It sure it? does. As a matter of fact, it's difficult to become an expat, but you adapt to that situation. The majority of people do adapt. It's mm. like one out of 2,000 that don't. But 1,999 people usually adapt pretty well. Re-entry into your country of origin, or your community of origin, your culture of origin, actually is the most difficult. Because mm. now that you've had a global experience like you experienced in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates, doesn't always match anywhere else in the world. Other places in the world may be international, but they're not necessarily global. Mm. Global means that everybody maintains their own cultural identity, but shares the same community. International means that people move to another city in another country and they try to become characteristic of that city or of that country. Mm. So they kind of lose their identity and that becomes the melting pot. Globalization is not necessarily melting. Mm. People maintain their identity and share the same community. Where in the international, you melt into that kind of community. So re-entry means that when you come from a global community, People may not appreciate, understand, or even fathom what you've experienced. And they have a completely different understanding of the people who you've met. They don't understand differences in religion, in political influences, in nationalities, and in customs and cultures. They don't have that appreciation. So you may find yourself isolated within your own hometown because you've grown in a different way than the people of your hometown have grown in the distance and the time frame that you've had away from each other. So leaving that support network as well can be, um, can be very stressful for a couple as well, can't it? Especially with younger children. Yes, and younger children usually adapt as well as the parents adapt. Fortunately today with the sophistication of communications and travel and transportation, we can actually stay in contact much, much easier. Mm. Yeah. So it does make going back home less stressful because you can still be in touch with the people that made a difference in your life over the last 5, 10, or 25 years. Mm. Steve says, uh, my now ex-wife flipped a switch after the honeymoon and became uh, the complete opposite of what she was while we dated. Uh, She made sure that she was the boss from day one. She insulted me, called me names. It was brutal. I'm now happily married with children and have zero complaints about my new wife. You're a lucky man that you have her as an (laughs) ex-wife and you have a wife that was able to understand more more cooperatively Mm. your nature as obviously you understand hers. So good for you. It's unfortunate that people have to go through a divorce. A divorce is the nicest thing in the world, Mm. but sometimes it's necessary when one person is not willing to change and you don't see a true picture. The indignance would be the deception and the betrayal Mm. of knowledge. It doesn't always have to be with another person. Sometimes the indignance of betrayal and deception comes from within. Do you think, though, that it's always the other person's folks? I mean, you know, it, the, the picture there that Steve paints, you know, is of, is of a, a woman who has literally 
cunningly kind of presented one image and then just completely changed overnight, you know. But do we always... Is it, is it possible that sometimes when we are dating somebody or we're considering somebody getting, before we get married, we're just look, looking through ro- rose-tinted spectacles and we don't see the real person? I'm not sure that we don't see the real person, but we see one factor of a person. For instance, people normally behave in three different styles. We behave in our ego ideal or that mask that we talked about last week, which is how we want people to think we are. Mm. So this is the way we behave at dinner invitations, at parties, at things that are like job interviews. Mm -hmm. And then when there's nobody to show off to, we'll take those new things that we've learned in a non-stressful situation and experiment with them then. But in a stressful situation, we resort back to the way that we have learned originally because that's the way that we're confident, Mm. even if it's negative, in learning how to behave, knowing how to think and how to feel. There's no surprises. Even when it's negative, there's no surprises. So many times a person who makes that kind of a drastic change, if he's correct in his uh, description, because we don't know that person, we don't know what really happened, it might be that he had done something that caused her to go in that direction Mm -hmm. too. But given that his statement is uh, based on what he's saying, with his experience, only thing I can say is you're lucky you're not in that relationship anymore if, in fact, she changed without you instigating it or provoking it. Reaction to the conversation we're having just for the break about um, relationships and where you sort of bring in the, the mother-in-law, the father-in-law, the extended family and so forth. Elvis says, uh, thank you, Dubai Eye and Dr. Hamden for your good comments and advice with the last situation. Uh, I'm also facing the same problems with my mother and wife always having issues. My way of dealing with this is that I always tell both of them to focus on their relationship with me. Mother, be uh, mum, be a good mother and don't mix into my marriage issues. Wife, please avoid a tug of war with my mother. That's his advice. What do you think of that? Well, that's fine if that, if that works, but as long as it's not a compromise for the other relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful that, that you don't get misinterpreted as siding with one by going and telling one uh, to please leave my situation alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's better just to stay out of it, and if that's your way of staying out of it, you need to keep your partner informed of what's going on so there's no surprises because even in the best interest Mm. of going to your, for instance, mother and saying, leave me and my wife alone. If you don't tell your wife what is happening, that you did that, your wife might still think that you're siding with one or you're caught in the middle. Mm. So you need to be very open with all parties. And that's one way of making the triangle and not getting caught in the middle. Text here, uh, Anonymous says, Dr. Raven's show is always superb. My parents married within three days. They were together for 59 years. Uh, in their life, broken things were not thrown away immediately. They tried to fix them. Now, the younger generation are from a consumer society. They throw things away without fixing. They apply for divorce without trying to keep the marriage uh, going. So that's from Nelly. Yeah, and, and of course, the iftar message on that one, too. Mm. So I'm glad that you mentioned that to her because that was a very nice, uh, expressive uh, mailing that she just sent yeah. to us. The, the relationship of having three-day engagement before marriage worked quite well in the past, mm-hmm. and it may still work well today. What we found in the past, and this is about three or four generations old, mm-hmm. there was less introduction of external situations. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is, in the generation of three or four ago, which was about 100 years ago, we didn't have telephones, mm-hmm. internet, had a horse and buggy if you wanted to get around. Yeah. Your world was your, your neighbor, 
your community. There was less distractions. There was less vulnerability to other things. So the wholesomeness of the world was right there at your hands. Today, we see the world is open at a click of a finger. Even right now while we're sitting here, anyone can go onto their electronic communication system and visit China. Mm. They can visit the United States. They can even go to the North Pole if they want. You have too much exposure with too much information that is too overwhelming for the human brain to digest at this time in our human existence. Mm. So those kinds of situations that did not exist then made the world a smaller place in that your world was your community. There was less conflict. There was less information to digest that could create problems. Well, here's a modern example uh, from an uh, anonymous texter. A dear friend of mine was in a very close relationship with the love of his life. He's 23, she's 20. Uh, They knew each other for six months and were planning on getting engaged. Sadly, the relationship became too strained because, as you said, it felt like she was giving him 15% of her time and he was giving her 80%. Uh, She's emotionally blunt, uh, is oblivious to the selfish way she reacts to him wanting to spend time with her, instead focusing on work and other friends. How can a relationship like that, Doc, be salvaged. Uh, They're currently not together, but are still quite in love with each other. As long as both people are willing to redefine the relationship model that includes the time together, there's nothing wrong with her being her way and him being his way. They're two different personalities. Mm. But as long as they're willing to discuss and redefine time together, mm-hmm. negotiate the time together so that it's livable for both. It might not be he's going to get his 80%. It might not be that she'll get her 20%, but it's going to be that they are both reach a common f- point where they say, we can arrange to have this much time together on a daily basis, not a weekly basis only, but every day we're going to have 30 minutes together or one hour together of undivided attention. That might actually be the key to having both people satisfied so she doesn't feel suffocated by his need for her all the time. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel betrayed or rejected by her lack of need for him as much as he would like. So the reinterpretation is going to be based on their redefinition of how much time we're going to have together. And many times I'll ask a person, a couple, for instance, um, what it seems to be the problem. And they'll give me, for instance, intimacy is a problem. And I'll ask the question, well, Uh, how much intimacy are we talking about? And one will say, it's a lot, and the other person will say, not very much. Uh They'll both agree on three times a week Mm. that they actually have time just for each other. But for one, that's a lot. For another, that's not enough. Uh So it depends on the individuals. Again, what I want to stress to people, it's not a matter of right and wrong or good or bad. It's a matter of your preference. Now, how can you get a balance of cooperation so that the two of you can live with whatever the new definition of time together is, as we're exemplifying right now. There's other things that need to be defined as well. Uh, just uh, We've got about two minutes left, Doc, but I just want to go through a couple of these very, very quickly. Uh, we had uh, a text here um, asking, is there anything like post-divorce counseling for a couple together so the couple can learn where things went wrong? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of places around the world today, including the United States, especially where there are children, to do post-divorce coaching that helps parents to maintain their parenting Mm. protocol without it compromising other things in the children's benefits, like parent alienation syndrome. Mm -hmm. So there are 
programs that do that. There are also programs that help in the psychological context to help people realize what they may want to do differently. Now, that doesn't mean that you're right or wrong. That just means that you may want to do things differently to move on in the next relationship without repeating the same problems. Another question here, quick one. Uh, How do I know if I need psychological treatment in general? Well, in general, uh, some people want psychological coaching to get just to know who they are. They want to reinvestigate who they are. They'd like to get to know themselves better. And we do have a number of people who come in just for that. They don't have any particular diagnosis or set of symptoms. They just want to move on in life with their careers, with their relationships. They just want to get to know themselves better by knowing where they are today and which direction they can possibly take. Mm. Now, psychology is designed to predict, but not everything is predictable. So getting to know yourself today helps you set a mode of the future course of action. But you also have to be respectful of the fact there's going to be some flexibility and adaptability for other things that could come in that will probably encourage you to move in a different track. Doctor, thank you so much for uh, joining us, as always, uh, on a Wednesday here on the couch on Dubai today. Uh, so many questions uh, through that we've uh, managed to answer, a lot more that we didn't get time to uh, answer. So apologies to everyone uh, listening who sent something through. Um, just time to announce our winner, uh, Sandra. Congratulations, you are the winner of our iftar at the Intercontinental Dubai Marina. Go and enjoy that uh, one evening very soon. And Doc, uh, in case uh, people listening want to get hold of you, how can we get in touch? Uh, The Human Relations Institute and Clinics is located at JLT. Mm -hmm. And our telephone number is 04-365-8578. And it's also posted here on Dubai Eye.